Welcome to North London is Ours, the Arsenal and Spurs podcast brought to you by Andreas and me, Aaron. Enjoy. Rice, rice, baby. Those words have been ringing in my ears all week. Thanks, Aaron. This is North London is Ours. Good evening, Andy. Season's greetings once more. Season's greetings, my man. How are you doing this evening? Oh, mate, you know, uh, just uh, it's a tough time being manager of Spurs right now. But I'll get through it, you know. It's just who I am, mate. It's just who I am. I think every Spurs fan needs to channel their inner Ange right now. (laughs) Tough Tough. times, mate. It's season's greetings and Spurs have already started the gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we went early again this year. I told you I was putting my Christmas tree up early, but Spurs went even <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> uh, that that yeah yeah. We we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to dive into your game first and leave uh, leave the best till last. I think if you don't mind, I don't know if you agree with that. What are you saying? I'm happy with that. I wouldn't call it the best to last from my perspective, but I get where <laughs> you're coming from. Um, yeah, happy. Let's let's dive in. Where do you want to start? Ah, oh, mate. Um, no, sorry. I need to stop saying that. It's just been in my head. I, I've seen, I've seen a few tweets, and they've just stuck in my head. Um, <coughs> I think for me, um, it was a really a, a bit similar to Arsenal's game against Wolves, where they were excellent in the first half and then average in the second. I think Spurs went took that even to an even greater extreme. Excellent in the first half against uh, West Ham. And then just terrible in the second half and just with their own worst enemy and just allowed West Ham to destroy them and come away with the points. I don't know. That's how it's that's how I saw it. Um how about you? Yeah, definitely a tale of two halves. I, I wouldn't say we were terrible in, in the second half, but I think one thing that's evident is we have a clear problem. And for me it's final third <laughs> attack and play because I've, I honestly, and this is, you know, we've lost the game, but I honestly thought first half, some of the football was genuinely just, I, I thought it was so good to watch. And some of the stuff we were popping it around, we had complete control of the game. And for that level of possession and for that much quality in and around the midfield areas, getting it into wide positions to not create more chances than we did. Suggest to me that actually we we need we have a lot to work on in the final third. Yeah. Um, I mean, first half it, it honestly felt like a training game at times, and I think the manager even said it. Oh, sorry, the commentator even said it during during the broadcast. Yeah. I still never felt like we were opening them up at will, even though we had so much of the ball, we're getting into good positions. Mm. Um, so for me, the big issue we've got, I've mentioned that. We've not had any penalties this season. And I think there was a stat yesterday around, like, we had 50 touches in the opposition's penalty box. But there does seem to be something missing in the final third because even though we're getting in there into these positions, we're not... I don't know, the the patterns of play or the, the crossing into the box. Obviously, Son's not the tallest. He's not great in the air, so we can't just whip crosses in. Yeah. Um, and we seem to be struggling to find a way to unpick <laughs> Defences, and to be fair to West Ham, they did. I thought they defended really well, and they kind of had to. But yeah, um, that was that was a shame. The, the the issue for me was going in at half time. 
with West Ham, they've got a lot of threats, set pieces, big players. The, you know, Bowen, who's been unbelievable this season. I always felt nervous just at 1-0 when really mm. sort of dominating in the way we did. We should have been going up 2 or 3. That wasn't the case. And that was, yeah. And then the goals we conceded were just really, really bad. Yeah. Um, they, it, the, 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 uh, the Romero goal, some, I know you've been very, um, that's what I'd say, excited and looking forward. You can't wait for him to get back, I think is what you said in previous episodes. Um, and then for him to come and get the goal, I was sat at home watching it, thinking, "Ah, oh, he's going to be delighted with that." You know, um, how, how how did that one land your end? Yeah, it's great. I mean, Romero just brings so much assurance to the defense. His quality on the ball, he you could, he's the sort of player that could play in any position. He's just got so much quality. Mm. Um, I thought it was a great header. Actually, he got up timing perfectly. It was kind of a weird one because initially I didn't think it was going in. I was like, "Oh, it's in! It's a goal!" Mm. Kind of like looped in. Um, yeah, it was, so yeah, it was quite loopy, actually, wasn't it? Anish, and whenever you see a goalkeeper kind of just end up on his knees and into the post, you think, what, what's, he, what's he been up to there, kind of thing. And um, But it was actually a really good header. Hit the side net, and I don't think the keeper is, is at fault there at all. No, 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 no. I, I thought Fabianski did well, actually, because I think he's actually there. You know, ex-Gooner, obviously, but mm. he's their, I think he's their second-choice keeper. Their, their Ariola got injured the day before and he came in and I thought he, he had a good game. But mm. um, the, the bigger the bigger picture comment I want to make is, honestly, like, and I'm not trying to just say this to sort of big myself here. Obviously, I hope this never happened, but my words a few pods ago are now becoming quite prophetic in so much as this seven-game spell, which I could see being a challenge for us and see being sort of season-defining is... Is proving that way. One point from an available 15, four losses and a draw at Man City, which is odd in and of itself. Um, we have really, really struggled against these, what I call sort of second tier teams. Um, Chelsea, Villa, West Ham. And it concerns me that our next fixture is against a sort of similar team in, in Newcastle on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Again, there's so much to be excited about. There's so much that we're progressing as a team and patterns of playing the way we're playing. But I just, in either box, defensively and offensively, we're conceding sloppy goals and we're not we're not being as decisive enough as we need to be up front. And for me, that's the big concern. And it's a, it's strange as well because you know we we've spoken about how good Son has been. I think he's a couple of player of the month awards as well. Very clinical in front of goal. Like we've spoken about the stats that back that up. But um, there doesn't seem to be anyone else really beyond him. Kulisevsky is chipping in here and there. Um, but there's not much else. You're not really getting much production from your other players. You know, like Richarlison, I think, missed a real sitter late on, didn't he? A header at the far post. Was that right? Yeah. If I recall correctly, um, yeah. The the uh, the other the the, the goal, um, the Bowen goal, which I think was the equaliser, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, the Bowen goal. I um I was looking at that and was questioning Romero actually, and I wrote a note I wrote down was uh, poor from Romero, hero to zero. So he's got that that great header, and then he kind of gets into a tussle, which he usually comes out on top of, doesn't he? But if he starts. <laughs> getting into tussles with players, you know, even when the ball's not there, um, he comes out on top quite often because he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy, he's strong, he's physical, and he loves that side of the game. And he's cute enough to kind of get away with 
the kind of the dark arts kind of of defending that dark arts side of defending. But I yeah. just felt like he could have just dealt with that. You know, yeah. instead of just getting into a tussle with Bowen, who's quite a, a short, stocky, strong lad as well. He's a bit like um he reminds me of uh, you know Shakiri who played at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. He's he's that kind yeah. of you know, if you played him at five a side, you'd never get the ball, would you? It just get it get the bunda in the way. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? And and that's he's one of those short, stocky physical players that are really really tough to play against and I don't know did you did you see it that way or did you think he did, he did alright there? No I agree with you I, I do agree with you <coughs> a, long, a long sort of direct ball and, and I think Romero was the victim of his own dominance in some ways because he'd been dominating everything against Bowen up until that point and maybe there was a bit of overconfidence and Bowen just took in his defence used his body really well mm. um, and I think maybe Romero didn't quite expect it and it took him off guard and then obviously the sort of ricochet, the unlucky deflection, and you yeah. know couldn't couldn't really miss. But um, architects of our own downfall once again, and that seems to be. I mean, the crazy thing here is all the games we've lost, we've been leading in every single one. Yeah, we've been ahead, so we're finding we're finding new ways to hurt ourselves at the moment. <laughs> and it's going to take, um, yeah, it's going to take some real resilience and effort now to come out of this spell because this has potential to sort of spiral out of control unless we we seriously you know put our foot down and start a taking these chances and b just stop making these suicidal errors in defence you know but yeah I I do think that that I do think there was a lot of good fortune for both the West Ham goals I mean the second one from uh, James Ward-Prowse. That, that, to me, was like watching a game of FIFA. Um, <laughs> as much as I enjoyed it, and I was laughing, obviously, as, you know, as, as instinctively I would, but I did watch that and I, I was like, wow, that was like, you, you couldn't actually write that. That's the kind of stuff that happens on FIFA and you throw a controller at the wall. You know, it's, it was like, yeah, couldn't write it. That must have been really bloody annoying to watch as from a Spurs fan's perspective. Am I right? <sighs> Irritating, man. Irritating. And it's just, the problem we seem to have is, against the top team, so I think I mentioned this before, we've played yourselves at the Emirates, we've gone to City, uh, we've played Liverpool at home, again, crazy circumstances, but we've gone toe-to-toe in every game, Mm. and we've come out unbeaten. But against these, what I call, second-tier teams, in Newcastle, Villas, etc., Yeah they're able to sit back and defend really resolutely and they get men behind the ball and then they counter. And it seems to be that sort of team that we're really struggling against where they know if they can withstand our sort of onslaught of keeping the ball, getting in and around the box and not buckle, then they know they're going to get chances on the break at the other end and they know they're going to get a chance because at the moment we're just gifting those chances. Yeah. Um, Whereas when you play the top team, you kind of go toe-to-toe and it almost seems to throw them off their game a little bit and we seem to be really competitive in them. Yeah, but against City, you did give, still give away a lot of opportunities for, and they could have been out of sight um, in that game in particular. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I was looking at the Spurs' results um, after that Chelsea game and the ramifications of everything that went on in that ridiculous game um, and thinking like the reason for not excuses, the reason for these results and um, Spurs not doing as well as they were at the beginning of the season is because they're missing so many through injury and suspension. But in this game, I, 
you know, he had Romero back, Saar was back as well, who I believe missed the game or two recently. And, yeah. you know, so that, that kind of reason for loss isn't really there as much. Do you know what I mean? I was, and in this game, I looked at, you know, I looked at it and, and especially that after that first half, I thought, there oh, there's no way I'm getting what I want here. This is definitely going to just end up as a, a Spurs win. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, you're, I, I think your your fear of it um, spiraling out of control, I, I thought, might have been negated by the injuries and in return from suspension and, and and so on. But that might not be the case. Yeah, no, I think I think we've got to remember where we're at and how early this is in the in the process, right? And it's like anything in life, you know. We we. we... <laughs> Our ascent to top spot in those first ten games was completely un- like we didn't expect that, and yeah. we started. We came flying out of the traps, and I'm a big believer in <laughs> getting all philosophical here, man. Um, <laughs> like you get anything too quickly, too soon, there's going to be a big crash and a big fall. And I think it, it created this false sense of of yeah, what the level we're at, and I mm. think now what we're seeing is an inevitable drop off. I didn't expect it to be quite this bad in terms of results given where we were at but yeah we're probably overall i'd still say slightly overperforming relative to what a lot of us expected in terms of performances even position in the league i don't think any of us really knew you know losing kane total new style of play new squad so i think everything i say about spurs even though it hurts to lose these games and it's made even tougher by seeing <laughs> your ascent to the top of the league and the way you're playing, um, I have to put in context of we are at the start of a, a long process. And yeah. I can't remember where you were at in terms of year one, year two with Arteta. I think if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, you won the FA Cup quite early. But I remember thinking you kind of, I wouldn't say you were dominating games. I remember, I think it was either the semi or the final. You got a bit of luck to, to win it in the end. You sort of rode your luck a little bit. But those yeah. those moments are key because when you get that feeling of winning, I suppose it just gives the manager, the team, the club, just belief in whatever the process is. And I feel like we need, we need something. We need to go on a cup run. The FA Cup now becomes really key for us. Something to, to give the whole club that encouragement again around, look, we're in it for the long term. We're going in the right direction. We're not perfect. We're lacking a bit of squad depth. But overall, we're still on the right track. And that's what I have to keep coming back to. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Like it's um, it's that context, isn't it? And the the, the nuances to um where you are, <laughs> and it's not um, it was never going to be a case as even though it kind of did feel like oh, in like a not a a pipe well, I suppose a pipe dream for you guys, but um, the way the season started, you know, if you keep all those, you're probably thinking oh, we keep all these players fit, and if this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen. But you just know now that this um, the Premier League is is a squad game as more more than just your starting eleven. You have to have players that can uh, that can come in and do well and step up and compete. And um, yeah, you're you're some way off of that in in your pro, in terms of your process and your development as a club. Well, and, um, also, and also just having a plan B. Like you look at the Arsenal squad. And I'm not- This is a thing I'm noticing with you, Andy. You really want a plan B, right? Oh, man, because... <laughs> well, it's true, because you've meticulously planned. You can see it. Your sporting director, your manager and your chairman or CEO, have, 
you've thought about this in detail and mapped out, like you say, the squad and how that's going to add value. Because for us, we have no other way of attacking. We've got, like, if you just look at our striking situation, we've got Son and Richarlison. They're both incredibly similar in terms of running in behind. But we've got no other way of, we've got no height anymore. We can't really just swing crosses into the box. We can't seem to go long towards the end of the game if we're desperate. We can't. We, you know, if we lose Madison as we have, we've got no real creativity to slot through ball in. So then they're getting stifled. And I just think, even when we signed Brennan Johnson, who I like as a player, I always remember thinking at Forest he misses a lot of chances. He's not clinical. Yeah, yeah. I can recall actually a, a very good chance that he had against us um, last season that he fluffed. And yeah, so I go along with that. Yeah, so that that seems to be the challenge for me. But look, overall, like I say. We need to get out of this right. I think the game against Newcastle is a big one because they're another team that's been depleted with injuries. They've had a lot of games and they've had a terrible uh, form away from home. So that feels yeah. like a really significant game for both clubs. But um, yeah, it was great to see them get battered three nil. Right? <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah, I didn't. Wa- obviously, I didn't watch it. I think I started the first ten minutes and then switched over to Spurs West Ham. And um, I could, yeah, the White McNeil's goal was superb as well. But any game that Newcastle lose, I love. And uh, <laughs> as much as I don't like Sean Dyche either, it was a bit. Um, I did enjoy that result. Well, um, is that yeah. because is that because of the game this season? Out of interest, why you have that dislike for Newcastle? Um, it a, a lot of it is to do with that, but it's just the. Um, it's a little bit of. Do you know who it is? It's Jason Tindall and it's Dan Byrne. I can't, I can't stand them. I don't know what it is about those two in particular. They just really, really irritate me. And um, I just don't like the way... It's just, I don't know, I just feel like they've just got this really unfair advantage with um, the money and the links that they have. You know, this even this talk of this Ruben Neves deal that has been mm-hmm. kind of... It is inevitably going to happen in January that he goes there and he was and they're going to get him for a lot cheaper or on loan or whatever it is i just i don't know i just feel like it's a cheat code that's being used and i it just annoys me it just annoys me when you've got clubs that are trying to do it properly without that don't get me wrong without they, they're doing it with significant backing you know what i mean stan Kroenke and um owners at liverpool like they, they, you know they're chucking serious money behind the club but not Qatari and Saudi money. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very different levels, isn't it? That's at the root of it for me. That's at the root of it. But yeah, and then they've just got some unlikable characters as well, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that, really. I'm with you, know, I'm with you. And I've always, even when I was young, I've had this irrational dislike for Newcastle and I don't know why. And I think it's because... I don't know. It's this thing about they think they're a bigger club than they are. And they, I've literally, I mean, talk about Spurs not winning a trophy for a long time. I mean, Newcastle literally have gone like 60 odd years without winning a trophy. Um, there's something about Newcastle that's always, always bugged me as well. But um, yeah, that'll be interesting um, to see how we get on on Sunday. And it feels like now a significant game for us. And Yeah, for, for both as well, because there's a, a, a slight, well, there's a, I think the gap between Tottenham and Arsenal now is nine points. And I think yeah. Newcastle were maybe one point ahead of you, maybe, I think. I can't recall. So um, Other way around. We're actually oh, one, one point ahead of them, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah even better. Um, so, yeah, just one other thing that was hilarious in the game 
was, uh, did you see Hoybier's m- miss kick? That <laughs> was wonderful. <laughs> that was good content, bro. Oh, man, I love that stuff. It's the classic swing it with the left and he's touched it slightly with the right and he's gone. Uh, that was that did crack me up. Um, yeah. you, know what, um, you know what does it for me is when you slow those down and it just looks, oh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a Twitter account or an Instagram account out there that just has all of that footage just saved and is on repeat all year round, I'm sure. Well, you know, that's a nice <clears> segue, right? Because Instagram accounts, my Instagram is listening to our conversations and I'll tell you why. I'm getting served Muller rice, ice, ice, baby, <laughs> Declan rice, far too many times. I had to click mute. Do not show me this again. Why? <laughs> because it's not fucking relevant to me, bro. Excuse me, friend. Oh, painful. Gosh. Yeah, this is what happens, mate. You're buzzing, though. You are buzzing. Uh, I am absolutely delighted. I love that guy. We got him for half price, Andy. I'm adamant we got him for half price. I'm he's worth he's, he's worth 210 million mate easily <laughs> it's, um, he's an unbelievable player he's and I, I, i've seen stats where some I, I saw stats recently comparing him with um conor gallagher there wasn't much between it but conor gallagher was you know in 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 a few of the the, the um in few of the stats were was actually quite significantly ahead of him like Jules won i can't remember the exact things but he um I was like, really, Conor Gallagher? He's he's having nowhere near as good a season as Declan Rice is, but maybe he is, and it's just going a bit unnoticed in a in a shocking um, Chelsea team. But yeah, Declan Rice, what a player, what a signing he's been so far. Um, and you know what? The, I, I listened to a podcast in um, um in I li- watched the NBA and I follow Miami Heat, and I remember listening to a podcast. Uh, probably a couple of years ago now, and they were talking about um, the, the the abilities that players have. And they, one of the, the, the hosts commented and said, uh, the best ability is availability. Yeah. And it really stuck with me. And the, I'm touching wood that this guy is available as much as possible because he takes us to another level. And, um, and his availability has been amazing so far. And I, I think... Um, I think his impact has been immense. Like he, when he joined the club, he was talking about taking him, his game and him, his his performances to another level. He kept saying that. I kept seeing that phrase: levels, levels, levels. And um, yeah, he he's reached new heights already. And uh, I can't I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, so yeah, I, did you you watch the epic at, at Kenilworth Road? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, yeah, before before going into the... It was a cracking game. I must say, I really enjoyed it. I, I'll just say, when you signed Declan Rice, I thought to myself, you're signing a monster who's arguably already one of, if not the best players in the world in that position, and you're putting him into an already very, very strong Arsenal team. Mm. And I, I, you could see the signs. Like, you, you knew he was going to strengthen. No matter how good Partey is, I mean, he's a different player, you knew getting Declan Rice, he, he's a leader... I mean, to captain West Ham to winning any title, let alone, all right, it was the Conference League, right? But the yeah. European trophy is, is a feat in itself. Um, and you've effectively signed someone, like you say, who's available, who's clutch, as you can tell. And yeah, um, yeah I, I think you've got a steal. And, and ultimately, when, when you played Man City at home, I remember they had, City had Rodri suspended for that game. And yeah. I remember saying to you on the pod that we both agreed that, 
you having Rice and them not having Rodri was this was a significant um a significant factor going into that and it proved that way. So if he stays yeah. there, you guys are gonna go very close this season. Yeah, I, I, well, I really hope. Obviously, that's uh, what we, what, as an Arsenal fan, I'm dreaming of. Um, but yeah, this, this game at um, Kenilworth Road had, for me, um, had a real cup feel about it, like an FA Cup, Arsenal third, fourth round, something like mm. that. We've, you know, someone has drawn us, and it's like their cup final, and their fans are buzzing. It had that kind of vibe to it, um, and. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, it was a really strange game because I just felt like we were in complete control of that game. They were posing no threat whatsoever. Um, I looked at the stats after the game and we had 67% possession, 23 shots, nine on target. That's 23 to um, Luton six, nine on target to their four and almost 600 passes to their less than 300. So for me, it was just like a, totally dominant game and performance but somehow it was a th- it was at three all and we were losing in the game it was it was um it was crazy wasn't it at times um the other stat as well that stood out for me was the xg arsenal's was 2.72 um to luton's 0.67 so they weren't even expected to get a goal yet they got three um and i really do think this game was uh, a a three-one-four-one game to us, if David Raya doesn't have the stinker that he had. Mm-hmm. I, I think it. I think it's as, as simple as that. As, as that, he was our worst performer on the night by a mile. It's his worst game as an Arsenal um, player by a mile. I don't recall Ramsdale being as shocking as that um, at all for us in his career. Um, but I don't think that changes anything in that debate. I think he's our number one and will be, and he'll be signing at the end of the season and Ramsdale will be sold in Jan or at the end of the summer or, or in the summer at the end of the season. Um, Do you know, You know? Can I, can I make a comment there? It's interesting. The stats definitely evidence what you said, but watching the game, I didn't, I didn't get the impression of Arsenal dominance in the way you did. I thought you were, um, the, be- you were the better team, no doubt about it. But I definitely... Oh, you, you can see it like when sometimes you just clock like in the players' eyes. You can see Luton were fired up, and I think I take your point. It did feel like a cup game, and I never thought that they were going to cave and roll over. That you, I, it felt like you were in a game the whole time, and I think definitely David Rea gifted them a way back into the game. I mean, he's got a save, definitely the Ross Barkley goal, yeah, and the set piece one is just it's so awful. poor. It's poor. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I don't think any goalkeeper. He's he's over six foot. I don't think he's. I think he's six one or six two. I'm not sure, but any goalkeeper of that height, sh- with their hands in the air, should not get beaten in the air by any any player. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like they've got such a significant height advantage using obviously using their arms at full stretch, and I genuinely think he was terrified. Like he was scared of what. That you know the players coming in, I don't think it's completely his fault. And I think um, on the replays you could see Martinelli had let his man run off. I think it was Osho that who scored that goal. Um, but yeah, we're just so poor, and we've been so good from set pieces as well, so good defensively. And that was pretty much our first choice back line, barring 
um, maybe Tommy Asu if you're thinking defensively. Mm. Um, but yeah, were you, really. Were you, were, you impressed, were you impressed with Luton? Because we we spoke a while ago, and I know we both agreed that they are miles off it. But mm. they've obviously they've managed. I mean, we just just about beat them at their place. They drew at home to Liverpool and they pushed you right to the wire. Did they surprise you in their quality or their ability to stay in the game? Um, I don't think they showed much quality. I mean, if you uh, that that didn't surprise me. They, um, do you know? One of the things that I looked into from the get from the game was I kept looking at the pitch and going, "This pitch is tiny. Why are they onto us so quickly every time?" Mm. And um, I looked at the the numbers and I got some lengths and whips for and compared it to the Arsenal pitch. And I've crunched the numbers, Andy. And I really <laughs> want to hear your your voice, uh, you know, your opinion on this. So, the total area of Arsenal's pitch is seven thousand one hundred forty meters squared, based on the the measurements that I got, which were I think sixty eight meters wide, one hundred and five long. I, I think um, Luton's pitch um, six thousand six hundred twenty meters squared. So there's over a five hundred square meter difference in the pitch sizes. I looked at that and thought that is massive because you've got 500 meters squared less space. That makes it a much, much tougher game to find space. And football is all about finding space, isn't it? When you find space, you can do things and you can progress the ball and run into space and score. You know, space is really important in football. And I look, I kept thinking, gosh, like why? When our fullbacks were getting the ball, there was just someone on them straight away, Saka two or three players around him so quickly and it was just I, I, it just fascinated me to think actually that's really significant the pitch is I think it was like three meters more narrow on both sides or, or half each side and then a lot a lot shorter as well in length and yeah I just think that's really significant and if you're if you're used to playing on a fairly large pitch and you do that more often than not, even at other grounds, and you go to this tight pitch, and um, you know that has an impact. That really does. I think it's significant. What do you think? <laughs> I'm chuckling because I just, <laughs> I know you're plucking these stats out when you're three two down as like an alibi for this pod. I know <laughs> there's no way you search this after the game. I'm only joking. I, I, I think um, I think that is a really significant. I'm actually surprised it's that much, and that's. That that is a huge difference, and obviously we know teams now in preparation for games they'll get all the sort of specifications and they'll adjust the the lines on their training pitches. You know every detail. Do, do you think I said this? I said this to my wife. She was falling asleep, but I told her. I said, "I bet you are Teta. I bet he's measured out this pit and found the different answer and so on." But do you actually think they do that? Oh uh, yeah, I, mean, def- I know they do that definitely. I know from from working with other clubs, I know that, that they definitely do that the week leading up to a game. If they've got the time, they, they move over to a smaller pitch and adjust the lines. But the, oh, yeah. the thing you can't replicate, and this actually was shown when you had your um, All or Nothing documentary when I think Arteta whipped out the speaker <laughs> yeah, yeah. of Anfield, right? You yeah. can't, what you can train for that and you can practice, but what you can't replicate is when you go to get the ball and there's fans on top of you, there's loud noise, there's people shouting at you. Like that is, it's intimidating. And yeah, yeah. I don't think you can train for that because that ground yeah. is tight and it just plays different. So I think it yeah. is a variable. Yeah, I think it was really significant. The other thing that kind of jumped out for me, I kept we, we had quite a number of corners in the game. Um, 
I can't think. I, I thought I had a stat in front of me, but I think we had about eight or nine corners to Luton's three. And um, there was no run-up for Saka. I think he had three steps and then he was basically sat on a cameraman's lap. Hmm. And um, obviously he's been heckled and so on from the fans. Um, and when, when I played, I took... I remember I had a season where I took... I was on set pieces, so I took hundreds across the season, right? You, and um, there was one corner of our pitch that had a like a manhole cover, I think, for like a tap or something. And I used to hate taking corners from that side because I couldn't really do a proper run-up. And then the manager, I remember the manager berating me. He's like, what? You can't clear the fucking first man, that kind of thing. And I'd be like, <laughs> I remember running back going, someone needs to get rid of that manhole cover. And he's like, ha- hammering me back saying, just just clip the ball in, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. And I, I was watching, I was like, Saka, I know how hard it is, man. Like, <laughs> trying to clip one in from there and I don't think our set pieces which we've actually been really good from we weren't much of a threat at all um, in this game and uh, considering the size we have you know with Saliba and Gabriel and Declan Rice and uh, Tommy Asu Ben White these are all big six foot six foot two six foot three players that are good in, in the air and strong and we didn't really pose a threat from corners despite having so many so that was a bit of a a shame. Um, but I thought there were some excellent performances from some of the Arsenal players. Um, I thought Havertz it was, was excellent. Got another goal, which was really good. Um, like I said, Raya was, Raya was awful. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, with, that, with, with, with him having a better performance, this game is, I think, a completely different story. Um, yeah. I thought Saka was excellent, actually. Um, he, him, and Martinelli, Saka in particular, got kicked a lot yeah. um, in the game. There were some really late challenges, not in fact, not really late. Some late challenges that were quite were quite heavy, and um, you know he's got that kind of messy like um, attitude towards that. You know he gets kicked and kicked and kicked, and you never see him getting up and grabbing someone by the scruff of the neck and getting booked for descent. He, he moans to the ref maybe once or twice and then he just gets on with it. Um, so like, it's really commendable, but it's also annoying as a fan to see it repeatedly happen. And um, I thought, um, I thought our first goal was fantastic. Like that was just elite um, kind of, I want to say improvisation, <laughs> because a sloppy back pass from one of the um, the Luton players, Martinelli, uh, not Martinelli, sorry, uh, Gabriel Jesus sprinting back gets a quick a quick throw in. Saka's a quick turn to get one run for the defender into the box. Bang, one 0 Martinelli, and I was just like, excellent! Like that was a superb goal. Just um, when you know we had that space just by pure luck, really. And um, I think we showed our um, kind of professionalism and experience there as well. Um, I mean, going on to the Saka thing as well, I know it yeah. must be frustrating as a fan seeing him get absolutely chopped down, and he was chopped, and Martinelli may targeted your wingers, as you'd expect. But it must be so reassuring to know that in spite of that, he does keep getting up, and he seems to be affecting games with a goal or assist almost every week. And I think I saw a stat or something about uh, what was it? Well, 200 Arsenal appearances, the youngest player to get 200 Arsenal appearances, but also he, he's got a lot of goals and assists as well. It seems like every game he's affecting it, and that's the biggest yeah. um, marker of his quality at such a young age, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, 
and that, that, you know people will say that he hasn't been at the same level. And I don't think he has been, uh, you know, as a you know as electric and as as um, amazing going forward. But I don't think that's been. I don't think Arsenal have been, and I, I've spoken about how that's. I think that's due to the way the teams are setting up, and we're not a surprise anymore, and all of that kind of story. But um, yeah, he he's superb, and that's that. Like you said, that's what elite players, and that's what. Uh, the best players in the world do they they affect games when it really matters yeah um and they're the they're your go-to guys right and um he's our go-to guy along with it seems like Declan Rice at the moment as well um but yeah I thought just um lots of superb performances from the Arsenal players but um the the, the I mean the scenes at the end what it was just I was sat there thinking three or I'll take this because it just seems like one of those games that we've been dominant in possession, but it just felt like it might not happen. And um, I just love the composure at the end as well from from the players not to... I think Zinchenko got the ball out wide and looked to shape and swing one in. And at that late stage, 95 minutes, 96 minutes, whatever it is, it's so easy to just get a touch, panic, and just smash a ball across and hope for the best. But he's decided, looked across, thought, no, I'm not going to be able to get it in where I want to here. Let me cut it back. Odegaard looks up, and Odegaard was, was very good in the game as well, and just picks out Declan Rice, who's bustling around, nods it in, and then it's just limbs, isn't it, everywhere. And it's just an amazing kind of moment that we, kind of reminiscent of last season, I think, where it was, um, you know, just euphoria and uh, late drama again, and Declan Rice strikes again in in injury time. Um, yeah, still against United as well this season, right? Yeah, yeah, that late. I think that was a third, uh, th- three one. I think that was. Yeah, I think he made it three one. Right. We were we were losing pretty soon before that. I think it was, you know, like a ten minute spell. We turned the game on its head completely. I th- I, th- I think, if I rem- recall correctly. Um, but yeah, delighted to get the the three points, and I, I do think I do think they are miles off it. Still, I do stand by that. I thought um, earlier on you asked me who surprised you. I was really surprised at how good Ross Barkley was. He was excellent, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, you know sometimes you write these players off, and um, but I think he just kind of showed everyone what he's what he has been capable of in the past. And there is a good player in there. Um, but sometimes I, I, I used to think this of Alexis Sanchez. He was, you know, some I think some players like to be the small fish, uh, struggle to be in the small fish in like, the big pond, like to be the big fish in the small pond. So when I look at Alexis Sanchez, he was incredible at Udinese, not so good at Barcelona, amazing at Arsenal, not so good at United when United were quite a bit ahead of us at that time when we had Sanchez um, yeah and that may be the case for Ross Barkley that he's enjoying being like hold on you know I'm the experience I'm the, the Premier League player here um, former Chelsea former um, Everton I know and England as well and uh, yeah he was he was very very good um, but should never have scored that was <laughs> poor <laughs> that was yeah, really poor from Rhea. The keeper just fell on it. I mean, my, my my last comment on the Arsenal game, or the last thing I'm clinging to, yeah. it, it reminded me of last season. I think it was you had Bournemouth at home and Reese Nelson scored one late and you won three. Mm. And 
I remember at that point thinking, that's the league. This is they're, they're going to win it now. There's too much going for them. They're on fire. Then they're grinding out these wins. And my hope as a Spurs fan, obviously, is that it's a similar thing where you're sort of you're getting these now very early in the season. That maybe they don't go for you later in the season. But because I think I saw a stat, you're scoring a lot of late, late goals at the moment um, mm. when in, so far this season. So as a Spurs fan, that's what I'm clinging to is that maybe. You know, you weren't at your best. You had some good performances, but for Luton to push you that that close, I don't think anyone expected that. We didn't certainly didn't expect them to score three goals. Um, so my, my hope is that these are signs that at some point things will turn, and I'm hoping it starts this weekend against Villa. It should be a cracking game, by the way. Yeah, I mean they they need to be um, they need to be put down and put back in their place, don't they? Really, I mean this record at home is it 15 on the spin? 14 on the spin so far. It's insane. Yeah, and yeah, I was surprised that they beat Man City as well. Um, Battered them, by the way. Really, I didn't watch it. I just, I just thought, oh, City will win that. You know, I, I, and I don't find City's football that. I find it a bit sterile. Um, but yeah, that's a massive game. There's a lot in there. Obviously, Unai Emery, he'll be hoping for a good evening, and um, mm. you'll have Emmy Martinez. He's one of the most Sorry, is, I've got a problem with South American players, haven't I? You do. 100%. Yeah. But to be fair, that one is completely justified. I think the world knows how much of a dick that man is. <laughs> we saw me. him in the World Cup final. That was horrific gamesmanship. Um, oh, yeah. God. And in fact, it, it gives me... It, that was my favourite moment of last season. I think we spoke about on an early podcast when Jorginho slapped in a ball... From about 30 yards, it hits the crossbar on the back of Emmy Martinez's head and drops in to give us a 2-1, I want to say. And then um, I think we got a late one. Martinelli was through on goal with an open goal last season. And we won 3-1, I think. Um, yeah, it was just hilarious. One of the funniest moments I've had it as, a, as an Arsenal fan. I was literally rolling around on the floor laughing last season. Well, it's so, um, weird though, isn't it, for him, how his career like at Arsenal, he was going nowhere... He gets the move to Villa and he's gone on. He's become Argentina's first choice, won the World Cup and he's now absolutely just a brilliant goalie at Villa. It's just funny how players' careers can take such a strange yeah. upwards because he's quite, he's not a young keeper. No, no. He's, he was at Arsenal. He was like our longest serving player. He was, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, before he went and he won the FA Cup. He was our keeper during the FA Cup that won, um, that won Mikel's and and um, Mikel's first trophy as Arsenal manager, and he loves to talk about Arsenal. Any opportunity, he'll throw shade, and, mm. and um, yeah, so he'll be absolutely fired up to to not concede and uh, make sure that they they win again. So that yeah, that's a tough that's a tough game. You want to give me a prediction? Do you know what I feel like? We might we could lose that. You know, I don't want to say it against. I hate to say against us because we've been amazing so far and that never say die attitude in the late goals, which I disagree with you. I think it's a sign that we're, we're developed and we've got a really strong, strong mindset and team spirit and belief. Um, but yeah, I feel a bit, I feel a bit nervous about that one. I really do. Um, it's odd because you've got an Arsenal fan thinking you're going to lose and you've got a Spurs fan here thinking you're going to win. And oh, really? My only logic to that is I watched the Villa or a lot of the Villa City game and I mm. saw how much Villa put into that game. And 
I mean, they chased, they harried, they they went at them quick. And um, am I right in saying you played the night before? In fact, you must have been. You played the day before. So when you play, in fact, I heard Gary O'Neill mention it because they they beat Burnley 1-0 and he made a comment post-match where he said the players were seriously fatigued from the game at the Emirates. Oh, really? To play a top team, you have to put in an extra 10%, right? Physically, you're going to feel it. And you saw what Villa put in against City and with the extra day's rest, I don't know, it feels quite a significant moment where they've played City and then yourselves back-to-back and they've won one. And again, if if you were to win it, I mean, I mean, mm. that would be a, that, this would be a serious sign of your credentials. If you go there and win, no matter what the circumstances, then I think the league should, needs to seriously take note of, of where you're at and what you're looking to achieve this season because that is arguably, based on current form, the toughest place to go in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, I, I can't, you can't, I can't deny that based on that record. I just sincerely hope it um, it works out that way, but it won't be easy. That's for sure. It'll be a completely different challenge to uh, the Luton game. That's for sure. Um, I think a one-all draw for you in Newcastle. What do you think? One-one. Um, oh, I mean, just based on law of averages. <laughs> I don't think we'll lose just because surely not five and six defeats. Like, just surely not. Um, it's like with going to Man City as well, where you think it's rare that a team of our level loses four in a row. And obviously it didn't pan out that way. So I yeah. could see a draw. I could see a 2-2 or a 1-1. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Okay. That sounds cool. All to play for this weekend. This is it. Right. Bonus pod. Hope our listeners enjoyed it. And uh, season's greetings. And I uh, will catch you on Sunday for the next one. As will I. It's been a pleasure as always, my man. Okay. Thank you, mate. All the best. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.